listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. of Illinois of Chicago College of Pharmacy received an unrestricted educational grant from the FDA REMS Committee to provide continuing education to healthcare providers on the safe use of opioids. This CE series used academic detailing to deliver educational content. Academic detailing is a one-on-one healthcare provider outreach program. It provides accurate, non-commercial, and up-to-date drug information. It is a unique interactive program tailored for each healthcare provider through customized and focused discussions. The typical academic detailing visit lasts about 15 to 20 minutes and provides 0.5 hours of free continuing education. Our pharmacists are trained to provide tailored, unbiased, up-to-date drug information to assist clinicians in making evidence-based prescribing decisions for their patients. So, you know, I love being able to collect insights and thoughts of people throughout our nation who are deeply inceded into the business of pharmacy and what we learn from these interviews and, and the stage, the stages that have been set, take the next steps, especially for um, pharmacists that are transitioning maybe from one um, position that they've taken up and in, in, in our deciding in their careers, it's time to go to the next stage. And I think of our uh, P3s and P4s out there, pharmacy students who are deciding, what sector of pharmacy am I most interested in? Do I wanna go into community? Do I wanna go into rare disease state management and dig into a specialty? Do I wanna jump into technology and use uh, digital therapeutics as instrumentation to tell me what's happening to our patients and communicating back to our physicians? A position that I really like to dig into, and really today we're going to talk about that uh, position and how a medical science liaison's career can be extended into other opportunities. You may become a CEO of a technology company someday as a pharmacist, but if you know how to doctor detail, if you know how to academic detail, if you know how to communicate in detail and become a presenter of the information that you're passionate about, you're gonna help so many other, not only pharmacist providers, but other physician and nurse practitioner providers really understand what you're doing and talking about. I have two guests today from UIC Pharmacy with us, Illinois Advance, and that's that's a that's a part of our show overall. You, you both are advancing the profession of pharmacy. Steve uh, Hemans and Chirag uh, Rator, and Steve Hemans, I want to invite both of you today and, and welcome you today to this podcast, really expanding upon academic detailing and what that means. So um, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Intros like that always get me so excited. I feel like I wish that could be like the way I walk into every room <laughs> always. <laughs> I will MC anywhere you go that we can. <laughs> I would love to do that. You you supercharge me as kind of like the the MC of of our pharmacy industry and what we set up for people that are really innovating things. So um, you started with this, um, Tarag, and I want to know um, what is academic detailing. Number one, number two, the advancement of the profession of pharmacy through academic detailing. 
Um, so academic detailing, simply put, is educational outreach. Um, what makes it unique is that it's generally one-on-one -on -one conversations with prescribers, with pharmacists, with nurses. Um, we do group sessions as well, but it's really tailored to the individual, to the group that we're speaking to. And I think that that adds a really unique flip to just education at large. You know, it's it's uh, not a lecture. It's us trying to converse and learn about the individual or the group that we're speaking with and understand, um, you know, what it is that they are successful with in their practice, struggling with in their practice related to um, whatever topic we're there to do the education on, you know, for the purposes of today, focused on opioids. Um, and how does it advance the pharmacy career? Um, I think it's just a really cool way to get into offices. You know, I've done, uh, I know both Steve and I have come from sort of different uh, backgrounds. I still do a lot of prior authorization work. Um, and this detailing allows an opportunity to converse with prescribers on like more of a ground floor level, really just understand where they're at, try and build a relationship with whomever we're speaking with and actually like highlight how we can be a valuable resource to them as they progress in their practice. Steve, doesn't it feel like to you that it's the practice of collaboration right from the start? Isn't that isn't that part of what this academic detailing is really meant to do? Absolutely. Yeah, it's the 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 one on one collaboration and the exchange of information and kind of that interactive discussion that uh, really, I think, kind of sets it apart from other quality improvement programs. You know, it's, so you're you're right there with the uh, with the prescriber or with the clinician, with the pharmacist, and when they have an objection or if they if they agree with you, you can build off of that immediately right there. You know, which I think is is, is the most exciting thing for me. So let's talk about you know, it's not so much health systems that are under. Um, the pressures of everything at once. We could talk about technology all day. We could talk about payment. We could talk, but we kind of start at the communication because the, I think of the bedside of the hospital systems. I think of the um, patient that just started diabetes treatment. So I have to back up and say, well, let's, what's the starting point? And to me, a clinician has very, very little time. So Steve, kick us off with just how can this program save a clinician time? Well, the the uh, having easy access to the uh, pertinent information, you know, just uh, at, just as an example, and one of one of our uh, topics that we cover in our opioid safety program is the 2022 guideline update from the CDC to opioid prescribing, and yeah, that document is well over a hundred pages in length. 300 plus uh, references in there, uh, we're able to distill that down into the, to the 12 recommendations and, and classify those into four separate categories, which we can cover in a uh, in about a 20 minute conversation and, and, and kind of, again, take that information and, uh, and, and really, uh, identify and, and, and kind of clue into where the physician, uh, wants to go or where the pharmacist wants to go with that information and, and be interactive in that way. 
Chirag, I've thought of the pharmacist in the role of opioid use uh, disorder treatment training for other pharmacists. We have a series called Opioid RX that we've concentrated on, but gathering insights from multiple um, multiple pharmacists from different positioning too. Sometimes it's stigma of treatment. Sometimes it's the clinical treatment. Sometimes it's titration from one substance to the next. Regardless, how did this all come about? How did UIC kind of see this and say, wait a second, we need something very structured to help the, the pharmacist out there who doesn't necessarily want to play a, a traditional role in their careers. They want to go to the academic detailing process, especially when we're talking about something as complex as REMS reporting and opioid education. So tell us how this all came about. Um, the detailing within uh, detailing at UIC. Yes. As a whole. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting story that I honestly sometimes just retell myself. So I think it's really cool how it's built up within the university. So um, the detailing at UIC started off in around 2018 by one of our other departments, um, the Pharmacy Systems Outcomes and Policy Group, PSOP. Um, they had a CDC-funded grant in 2018 to basically assess if academic detailing could impact prescribing habits. And so they worked with one of the local hospital institutions here. Um, and from that study that looked at prescribing um, changes from before the academic detailing intervention to after the academic detailing intervention, what they found with their 151 prescribers was a reduction of one opioid prescription per prescriber per month. Um, and it extrapolated over the course of a year that was potentially up to 1,500 less opioid prescriptions being filled. Um, from that, the program got expanded to the southern part of the state of Illinois. And then that's how our team of, at the time, um, prior authorization pharmacists with dreams of becoming detailers got involved with that organization. Uh, got involved with that group. A public act was signed in the state of Illinois um, that uh, established our detailing group and established this sort of work. And so then we started detailing um, prescribers in the uh, state of Illinois on a lot of uh, chronic topics. Um, we started with opioids and we've expanded to diabetes and HIV prep and asthma and, and smoking cessation. Um, and then from that, and because of the work that we'd been doing is where um, we got the contract to be able to detail um, nationally, which led to the REMS detailing. And then that also opened up the door to pharmacists and um, nurses as well. And so it's been this kind of like build building process and growing um, process over the last couple years. And it's been really cool um, to see that program grow and expand. What I've also noticed is the fact that as you've dug into designing this detailing, academic detailing program, it's kicked out new facets of verticals that have to be a little bit more vetted out. So drug testing and addiction medicine versus neonatal um, abstinence syndrome or maternal care um, after you know you've you've had your baby and and being able to move forward in opioid use uh, disorder treatment. It's fascinating to me that we come back to the the expert in all things pharmacology, our doctor or pharmacist that say, this is my gig. This is where I belong. I have so much interest in helping people, but digging down into substance and titration and administration and so much of the nuances that sometimes gets painted over and the details get lost because the physicians are so busy. We need the specialists to come in and what better specialist than our pharmacist. Steve, I'm thinking of in these studies, 
who was our audience when when we were kind of building this out? Sure. The uh, you know the, this the concept of academic detailing actually actually dates back more than forty years ago, and uh, in its inception, the the typical audience was a prescriber. It was a physician, and and it took many different forms. Um, basically, the idea was is what if we could take the concepts of the detailing of a physician and maybe not apply them so much directly to a product, but really more so to the uh, the treatment of a particular disease. To this point, there are more than 100 studies uh, that have proven the effectiveness of academic detailing with just the basic concept of, can you change prescribing habits and behaviors through academic detailing? And, and the, you know, the, the, Outcome is typically yes. Um, it's in, in oftentimes is you know, sometimes they're measuring things like uh, uh, just adherence to guidelines. Sometimes they're looking at things. Can we uh, can we change the way a particular disease state is treated? And and whatever the outcome is, it always seemed to be that yes, academic detailing does make a difference. So it was only natural then to see that progress to other facets of healthcare as well. You know, Chirag, I think of my time in opioid use disorder treatment management when I was director of strategy with a with an organization out of um, mid Florida uh, that had 85 uh, medication assisted treatment centers across the nation. And it was my job to go into certain uh, communities that had a large enough population base and go to the emergency rooms and say, what's happening after Narcan? What's happening at that point? What are you doing? And many of these emergency rooms who were overrun sometimes, depending on what was happening in that community, they didn't really have a very good answer. So that's when I'd say, hey, listen, we have pharmacists who are part of our medical staff at our centers who really want to slow some things down, including, and this jumps out at me more than anything, so I can't wait to to hear your opinion on this. But um, when we started talking about comorbidity and we started saying that hey, yes, we're suffering with opioid use disorder. That's the one that we're kind of like heading. That's maybe our primary situation. But there's hypertension, there's diabetes, there's something else happening, HIV or hep C, there's something else happening in this patient's life. And if you bring a pharmacist to the to the mix that can extract the information and then be able to go and, and speak to the, you know, the, the provider, the, the, the physician in place uh, on a team. I think that's so important. So when I'm thinking of this program, um, tell me about um, more detail around, um, around detailing, around the collaboration, around kind of setting the fundamentals between the pharmacist and the physician. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's like genuinely one of the one of like my favorite things about this position is the actual ability to build relationships with the individuals that we speak with. And I think one of the cool things about detailing is a chance to like talk about something with a new perspective. One of the things that I've been trying to, when I, when I do give presentations to different like prescriber organizations or anywhere that I'm giving a presentation, trying to get them to collaborate with us is talking about the importance of continuing this conversation around opioids, but trying to do it in a different light. And I think that's something that uh, myself and Steve and the rest of our team try to go in with, um, with detailing is like, we're not really going in, telling anyone anything new, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's more like, Let's talk about this thing that you've been dealing with for years, but let's 
give it some new light. Let's engage in it in a way where maybe you haven't been, you haven't had a chance to just let someone like listen to you vent about your struggles with it. Um, I also really like highlighting when I hear positive things that have worked with prescribers. I love sharing that with other prescribers. And I think really it's just going in with like a kind ear. Like we're not there to tell you you're doing anything wrong. We're not there to tell you that we know more than you. It's like, what, what's your practice look like? What can we do to help you? You know, there was a study uh, that I saw not too long ago that said if a prescriber had to do every evaluation they were supposed to do, it would take them over 24 hours in a day. And that's just from the prescribers. If we're talking about retail pharmacists, you know, like how much time do they have to like talk to patients about you know, anything, if you're working at a larger chain pharmacy and you're, you know, pretty busy with just filling prescriptions. And so our hope is to be like, how can we be a part of your team? What do you need within, you know, within, I guess, reason that we can help you with and um, consistently reaching out, consistently coming back, consistently showing up. Um, sometimes, you know, a lot of the early visits are just trying to like tell them about our program, get them to understand like that I'm a nice person and then, you know, begin to build that relationship from there. But um, yeah, I think really the, the kindness that we try to approach, approach, uh, approach these conversations with, and, you know, from, from Steve's perspective, having worked and ran his own pharmacy business, you know, that like someone who was on the other side and now is doing this work and having, I don't know, empathy and understanding the struggles of, of what, you know, the, that world is like, I think is really huge. And I think like, I don't know, you know, how often do you get to have those conversations that are like, I really want to learn about you and your practice. And yeah, I think that that's a, I think that's a big part of it that I think gets people on our side and consistently showing up, I think is big too. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, it was, uh, it was really interesting to kind of see, you know, coming from the independent pharmacy world and, and then talking to other community pharmacists and hearing that, you know, they had the same struggles that I had every day, you know, just, you know, I think a great example is the Loxone. I mean, we've, we've done such a great job of bringing the Loxone to the forefront and making it available to people and in different ways, whether it's a, uh, whether it's available over the counter or through some sort of a standing order protocol. And, but there was still the stigma and that, and the difficulty in, in getting the patients to accept that medication. And, and now from the academic detailing side, I kind of see some of the ways that I could have been more effective in having those meaningful conversations with patients. And, you know, I can't help but think that if I had done a better job of listening and was able to more eloquently speak to these topics, then maybe more people would have taken me up on my offer for naloxone. And so I, I really enjoy getting out and talking to my fellow pharmacists and kind of giving them those tools um, that I wish that I had had at the time. And uh, so hopefully we're all more successful. You know, I think of special cases where pharmacists will once again be able to stand out as someone who understands it from a pharmacological perspective. And I think of how sensitive, more sensitive patients can become because maybe they're pregnant or maybe they're breastfeeding or maybe their their baby was born underweight and needs to be part of neonatal care and ongoing intensity and how that in my opinion, as a non-pharmacist, complex, you know, it's it, it seems like it becomes more fragile and more complex. Steve, can you speak to special populations? Um, kind of give us uh, details around that in, in tying into academic detailing? 
Sure. Yeah, we uh, we as we're having these conversations, one of the advantages is that we talk to prescribers and we talk to clinicians and they will many times give us uh, uh, their suggestions on topics they would like to hear more about. And uh, one of the things that we heard consistently was that they, there's all these special populations out here that uh, that kind of have a little bit more nuance to them. And, and you really want to have all of your ducks in a row, so to speak, as, as you're treating those patients. So uh, we uh, we developed a couple uh, uh brochures for special populations and the special populations that we address are things such as uh, uh well there's 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 two different topics we cover one of them is the treatment of pain in these special populations the other is treatment of opioid use disorder in these special populations and then so the special populations that we speak to are uh pregnancy uh adolescence uh uh, military patients, um, people with uh, psychiatric disorders, some PTSD, so all of and, and many other uh, special populations as well, because they, of course, as 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 more pharmacists are used to, you're you're treating the whole patient and looking at the whole patient overall, and so taking those disease states and applying the treatment to the special populations is really valuable information and and uh, uh, can really be useful for for uh, clinicians. Chirag and Steve, you're part of a very um, uh, robust team um, that that really brings a lot of experience. When I look at the the site, we'll have um, some links uh, in the show notes that bring people to the University of Illinois of Chicago's um, academic detailing program. But you have a tremendous amount of um, of insights. You have so much resources. I think you're very blessed and lucky to have these people on your team. Let's talk about um, the benefit pharmacists experience because they're learning from other pharmacists on your team. Tell me about your team, by the way. Are you all pharmacists? So we have, uh, I think we can still hold the title for the nation's largest academic detailing team. I think we're pretty close to about 30 pharmacists and we have three pharmacy technicians that hold it down, hold down the fort on the back end. Um, so yeah, we are all pharmacists on our team. And Steve is part of our newest batch of folks that joined us uh, a couple months ago. Bringing it from a community perspective, Steve, is special. Um, you know, I entered pharmacy 2004. I worked with privately owned long-term care pharmacies that functioned in some ways very similar to community pharmacies because some of them were built out of community pharmacies. Like they had the outback uh, nursing home, you know, services that became its own business per se. So I think you're a special, I think you're a special member of the team because you're bringing that community aspect to it. But I want to know why opioid education? Why, why at this time, you know, we, we saw that the pandemic hushed the opioid epidemic where even though it was still raging and now, um, the pandemic has subsided and we're seeing that Everybody is, has kind of gone back to the attention, the momentum that we've lost. But from your perspective, um, why opioid education? Yeah, well, I think there's, you know, there's there's certainly a few answers to that question. I think, you know, most importantly is is while there is an ebb and, ebb and flow to the opioid academic, it is still uh, uh, needs to be at the forefront of our minds. Um, for me personally, I think... Uh, Pharmacists play such an important role in this in this area. Uh, they they are oftentimes the person who 
has to intervene uh, on, on dosages, uh, on quantities. Uh, they're many times having to explain to the patient um, the the pluses and the minuses of the medication. And, and, and what I really enjoy from this especially is being able to, sounds kind of ironic from a pharmacist, but being able to take the information that we provide through academic detailing and say, you know what, it's great that we have these life-changing medications to be able to treat, but that might not be the best choice. So we provide non-pharmacologic options for disease state treatment in addition to pharmacologic. And, and in a couple of our uh, topics, we're talking about how opioids are not the first line treatment for many disease states. So, you know, I can't think of a better person than a community pharmacist to, pharmacist to be able to kind of coordinate all of that. I mean, who, who really talks to the patient the most? You know, who, who's the patient most? It's the pharmacist because they know them the best because they're they're seeing them the most. So, you know, to me, that's that's really the huge benefit of, of including pharmacists in the. There's things happening in the lives of people that may have an addiction, especially to opioids. And we know uh, through research how the substance can literally start to rewire the brain and uh, and the reaction to needing the substance is pretty serious. So bringing in someone who really understands how medications have in fact done that, um, being able to help um, a physician, a, a medication-assisted treatment uh, counselor um, to kind of say, hey, be on the lookout for A, B, or C that you might not have thought about that really didn't enter the pharmacological space because it was more about counseling or starting treatment. Um, there's a period of time when you're starting dosing where you're saying, hey, this dose has to fulfill you for the next 12 hours or the next 24 hours. So now you're getting pharmacists involved in dosing and in, in titration and maybe even changing different medications. So I'm particularly interested in opioid use disorder because of my background and what you've mentioned so far. But how does this unique approach help pharmacists advance OUD the actual space, um, Chirag. I'm I'm interested in your insights there. Can you uh, repeat that question, please? Sure. So how does the unique approach help pharmacists to advance opioid use disorder um, treatment? How does it how does this help to really take us to the next level and keep growing as a as a subset of of care? Gotcha. Sure. Yeah, understood. You know, I think part of it, you know, especially with some of the like the 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 laws changing around X waivers and like, you know, more buprenorphine, you know, it's access being opened up. I think part of like something I've noticed in just speaking with prescribers is um just either because there was that barrier, they weren't prescribing it. And now that that barrier is down, an opportunity to like prescribe it more, but there's still being maybe a lack of understanding of the medication or whatever it is. And so I think pharmacists can play a pretty big role in just helping like talk with prescribers through some of this. So just background information on some of the meds that maybe they either weren't prescribing, didn't want to prescribe, whatever it is, and just being able to provide some of that like back end insight that I think sometimes is the barrier to prescribing meds that it, like maybe just a lack of understanding, a newness. And so just being able to, you know, have that conversation with prescribers and pharmacists being a great profession to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I think the, you know, the pharmacists with their specific understanding of the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of these medications can really, even if you have a prescriber who's comfortable, there may be a particular patient who uh, they're having challenges with and just having someone to kind of talk about and, and understands fully the, the kinetics and dynamics of these products, I think is is really helpful and, and can help with the comfort and, and probably increase the number of patients that are being brought to treatment. So let's pause for a second, Steve, and think of some success stories that that you remember um, without really naming, of course, any of your patients, but cases that, that come to mind um, and, and how academic detailing is kind of tied in to that story that you can say, wow, we, we learned the following things. So therefore, you kind of brought it back full circle. Um, share some of those success stories and academic detailing programs that have positively positively impacted uh, all healthcare providers involved in the practice and in what patient outcomes came came about. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. This. Uh... Uh, I do have one story that actually happened relatively early in my in my experience. Uh, uh, pretty quickly after I had received my training, we went and did uh, 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 some visits with a group of uh, pharmacy managers, and uh, it was in a rural area. And one of the pharmacists was telling me that they had a, a special uh, problem with a a local physician who was doing outpatient orthopedic procedures. Uh, and but was prescribing 15 days worth of opioids um, after the procedure. And uh, so I'm sure a lot of the community pharmacists out there will, you know, will recognize right away the problems that that can cause. You know, it's a lot of insurances are only allowing five to seven days on an opioid naive patient. Uh, and so there was a lot of phone calls going back and forth. You know, this pharmacist expressed to me that she, uh, you know, she had tried multiple times to have the conversation with the doctor, um, but wasn't able to get anywhere. And I, a couple of weeks after our visit, she uh, emailed me and she said, hey, Steve, I just want to say thank you, because by taking the information that you presented to us and, and having it in an electronic format that I could share with the physician and say, this is what my concerns are. Uh, the physician had actually changed their practice and was prescribing five days worth of uh, the opioids, which, you know, from we talked earlier about the efficiency of the pharmacy practice, you know, that's several less phone calls that that uh, pharmacist was having to make a lot less difficult conversations with the patient about why they were reducing the quantity of the medication that was prescribed. And it was just I really considered that to be a success story. And, and ultimately, you know, there's less excess opioids floating around out in the uh, in, in the system there that, you know, so um, just a lot of really tentacles to that that were all really positive. And so that was you know, really impactful to me to have that happen to me so early after I had uh, started the practice. I love that story that Steve has told me before. And I think one of the things that's really cool is like that gives now like, you know, I think sometimes doing this for a while, you having spoken to a lot of different people from a lot of different uh, practice settings, there are challenges that unique challenges everybody faces. And sometimes those challenges, if you get a lot of them in a row, um, like you can, I don't know, become frustrated in like the inability of people to make changes. And so I think like for us to be able to find these positive moments and interactions, like that's something that like I tell prescribers about or pharmacists about like, that Steve's success story, like it is possible. This is how it was done. And like we've done that with tapering. I've taken positive things that prescribers have told me and share that with prescribers and pharmacists about taper techniques that have been shared with patients. And so like, this is a, 
one success story. It's not just between Steve and that pharmacist. It's now between Steve and that pharmacist and every other pharmacist that or anyone that Steve details, you know, an opportunity to be able to to share that. And I think that's like, as Steve said, you know, tentacles, like we are those, you know, I guess as details, we can be those tentacles that can, you know, link one person to so many other people that could need, you know, help in changing something in the practice that they've been struggling with. It's, it's interesting that you that you brought up tapering there because that you know that's another thing that has kind of stuck out to me is as I've had different visits with uh, different community pharmacists, I'm surprised at the number of times that the pharmacist will relate to me. You know, I just had a patient the other day who was talking to me about how they want to get off this medication. They just don't know how. And uh, or they'll say, you know, I had a call from a prescriber and we were talking about uh, how, you know, the um, the uh, this this patient's medication wasn't helping them anymore and we want to reduce it but how do we go about that you know so some of the the resources that we're able to give uh, on tapering i just uh it struck me how many pharmacists are involved in the tapering process on opioids i think of that word that you're using uh steve tapering which to me is another form of customization some of the buzzwords right now are things like precision medicine for example and in this case, I think of um, tailoring um, treatment and academic detailing approaches specific to the care provider. So we have a counselor, we have the physician, we have um, possibly if there's a comorbid comorbidity, there's another specialist involved. Um, so, and then of course, other pharmacists. So when I think of tailoring academic detailing and approach to different healthcare providers. Can you kind of share with us, considering the unique needs of, of those providers, the, prefer the preferences and then some of the challenges that you've, that you've incurred? You know, I think the, uh, certainly that individualization is, is, is key um, to ultimately getting the patient to where they, to where they need to be. Um, I think the, uh, a lot of prescribers will talk to us about, you know, some of the the challenges that they have uh, talking to patients about particular uh, medications or about particular uh, disease states. And, and, you know, I don't want to do this or I don't want to. You know, and so, you know, some of the resources that we can provide are, are just how to have difficult conversations with patients and, and kind of some of the uh, the terminology on, on how to have those interactive conversations with the patient. And, and uh, that's those are some of the resources that I think that clinicians really respond to. Um, again, it's you know, like Shirag said earlier, a lot of people know what the guidelines are for treating diabetes, but to have that in addition to the uh, how to have a meaningful conversation with the patient, how to talk about the individualization of their therapy, I think is, is really valuable. Shirag, what about you, you personally? being a part of this team and and seeing that what you're teaching is having impact throughout the communities that, that are being served. So as a pharmacist, what do you enjoy most about conducting academic detailing sessions? And um, you think of the reward that you're getting, not only by providing the the, the treatment, but what impact does that have on your healthcare providers and in and, and your partners in, in care? Um, yeah, I think like... <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you know, just going in and actually being able to potentially make impact 
with prescribers on the ground floor, or at least a lot closer to like where actual prescribing change can be made. Um, you know, as I said earlier on, like, I think part of being a detailer is like trying to come in with a lot of empathy and understanding with um, the individual that you're speaking with. And so I think for me, I get to learn a lot about just like what is actually happening in the world out there. You know, we, we create these brochures, you know, in a, we're looking at guidelines and distilling information from the guidelines, putting it on paper, but we still don't know yet, you know, how do the guidelines actually get implemented in practice? So for us to go out there and actually learn about, it isn't just as easy as don't prescribe opioids. You know, what do you do with someone that's been on opioids for 20 plus years and is really not had any negative side effects, but you know that they're on, you know, other medications where the potential is there. And so it isn't as easy as, all right, stop taking an opioid, start some other medication. It's how are prescribers actually engaging in conversations with their patients um, in a pharmacy setting, in a, you know, doctor's office setting. Um, and it's so much like, I learn so much from that. And so that's like genuinely like my favorite part. It's just a chance to like learn um, uh, about what is happening out there in the field. And then after a couple of visits, getting to hear back since our last conversation, I started talking about naloxone with all of my patients. I've actually started thinking about maybe not prescribing this drug so much or whatever it is, like getting that feedback of that. I had one prescriber recently tell me like, you know, you've changed the way that I practice. It's like, well, that's really cool. You know, and part of it, it's, they were already doing good stuff. It's just adding new things. So I think for me, just that being able to learn about what's actually happening um, and do it in a, you know, do it in a kind way and have like pretty meaningful conversations that we can then share with other people that we speak with and, you know, make people feel like they're not, you know, their struggles are not, they're not the only ones like, you know, deal, struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling with. And um, so, yeah, it's cool to hear people's stories. I think that that's like such a, I mean, that's like such an interesting job to have, you know, the, like to get to chit chat with people and like make positive outcomes is pretty cool. So in, in concluding, and I want to thank both of you, I want to thank uh, UIC Illinois Chicago, University of Illinois Chicago, for putting this interview together. This is so important. Um, so many people out there are struggling with um, the disease of opioid use disorder, and pharmacists, in my opinion, um, are really key and sometimes underutilized in the treatment of OUD. But Steve, the, the last question is for you, and that is, so we've learned how powerful um, academic detailing can be to patient care. And we've kind of gone through, um, you know, just some of the basics of the program, but we also know that there's always challenges that kick that are kicked up by actually doing it. I love Chirag, you said about a brochure, and it's amazing how that communications will change over time because you'll refine, 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 and you'll get a better perfected. Um, communications tool out there of what really matters in the community. So Steve, what are some of the common challenges or the the gaps that you've experienced um, that healthcare providers are facing in their practice? And, and how does academic detailing, um, how does this program address those challenges to help them uh, serve uh, patients better and more concise? Yeah, yeah. I think the uh... You know, a lot of the feedback and, and that we get uh, from the clinicians as we're having these conversations is, is really talking about, you know, how to how to be successful, uh, how to, how to reduce stigma when you're discussing things about opioids and and uh, 
trying to get the patient to buy into uh, you can imagine how you know, put yourself in the in the space of a, of a patient who's been on an opioid for for many, many years. And now all of a sudden we're telling them that, oh, by the way, you should have some naloxone and and we should think about tapering because you're not benefiting uh, from the medication as much as you used to. And that's you know pretty scary for the patient. So um, a lot of times the conversations that we have, as Shirag mentioned, are really more about. How do you communicate with patients and and what words to say and what words not to say? And and so, you know, taking one physician's answer or one prescriber or one pharmacist's answer to a particular problem and then being able to relay it on to the next and kind of see their eyes light up like, you know, I never really thought of it that way. I'm so glad, you know, just like, like a simple thing is. You know, we, we talk a lot about exercise um, and, and you know, which can be, you know, exercise can can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. But I think sometimes when we say the word exercise to their patient, they think they're going to have to go run a marathon or something like that. And, you know, one of the uh, one of the physicians that I was talking to said, you know, because I don't use the word exercise. I just use the word activity, you know, and, and so maybe then activity is your first goal for activity is walking down to the end of the driveway and getting your mail. And, and then maybe that increases from there. So, you know, I, I think the challenges that we see a lot are the, uh, the challenges of, of how to have these discussions with our patients in, in an efficient way um, to be able to save time and, but ultimately get the patient to the, to the proper therapies. And that, that's what I see. Well, I don't, is that what you were asking? <laughs> it was, and this has been um, absolutely um, eye-opening to how academic detailing has evolved and how we need to continuously push ourselves, um, that we get in our comfort zones and we start asking each other to challenge each other so that we can refine something and then communicate it to our physicians and let them know we are your wingman wing men and wing women and wing people that we are here to support you supporting the patient and there's aspects to pharmacological study and up updates and follow through that pharmacists bring such a strength so if you go through this program and you see the success that it's having on the communications between you and your pharmacist and your nurse practitioners and your nurses and your counselors it's only going to accelerate the therapy to assure that people are getting the the, the care that they need and the care that they deserve. So I applaud um, UIC for, for doing this. Um, I think it's tremendous. I want to invite both of you back. Uh, let's do an update six months, 12 months from now, just to see where we are and how it's evolved. But um, hats off to both of you. Thank you for, for doing this with us and, and for sharing this with our Pharmacy Podcast Network um, subscribers. For having us. Thank you for having us. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of the University of Illinois Chicago, their academic detailing program. You can find all of their information on this program in the show notes, and we will be sharing this throughout social media ongoing. If you have a similar program or you would like to reach out to this organization, um, contact information will be there for UIC. And with that, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.